And now, America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. A great day despite the fact that a dramatic situation at the southern border could lead to all kinds of dire confrontations. Dire confrontations, even violent confrontations, with thousands of people expecting that when the clock ticks down to midnight tonight, midnight uh, that would be Eastern time, uh, that uh, when uh, Title 42 goes away, uh, suddenly there will be a huge crash of tens of thousands of people perhaps even hundreds of thousands of people who demand entry into the United States and no one has a clear idea of how they will be handled. We'll be talking about the border with Linda Chavez who is a former official in the Reagan administration. She is a prominent American conservative who says that when you look at these people who are massed at the southern border it is a completely misleading what people believe about them. They are very different. The reality is very different. And on both sides, on all sides, people have basically treated the people who are masked at the border as something other than uh, entirely human or entirely real. We'll also be speaking with uh, Daniel Henninger, who has identified the border crisis right now as uh, a classic demonstration of the Biden administration turning away from big problems and uh, basically simply feeling that all we need to do is reverse whatever it was that Trump did and then things will be better. Well, it doesn't work that way. We'll be speaking to Daniel Henninger of the Wall Street Journal. And then one of the shocking things about 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 a dozen shocking things in the CNN program last night, which, by the way, as expected, got very strong ratings. It scored uh, three point twelve uh, million total viewers uh, and uh, a whopping seven hundred and three thousand viewers in the key twenty five to fifty four age demographic. Now. Compared to other debates and other programming, uh, even other broadcasts of Trump rallies, this is not so remarkable. But because it is on just one channel, and it's a cable channel, and the weakest of the cable channels, it's a huge triumph ratings-wise for CNN. But CNN is under tremendous co condemnation and criticism for arranging this event the way that they did. Uh, a number of liberal columnists have suggested that Trump clearly was the big winner last night, that he won coming across like a bulldozer, he won a technical knockout, he rallied his troops very effectively. We'll talk about that with Jonathan Allen, a political reporter from NBC who was there, I believe, and uh, what was the mood in the crowd, and what was the story with the crowd that seemed to be uh, remarkably supportive of President Trump, uh, cheering at the right place, laughing at the right place, being uh, along with the Republican front runner. And then finally, one of the, the things that 
President Trump talked about that was and should be profoundly controversial is basically him urging his fellow Republicans to move forward toward a default, toward not raising the debt ceiling. If uh, Biden refuses to go along with some spending cuts, major spending cuts, that uh, uh, Kevin McCarthy is demanding in his version of handling the debt ceiling, that Republicans should uh, go ahead and go to default. President Trump doesn't think it would be that bad. He thinks that it would, in the long run, perhaps help the United States overcome this deficit spending problem that has been so chronic in this country for the last couple of decades. Okay, uh, is he right about the default? Is he right about the economic strategy? We'll talk to Steve Forbes, of course, one of the leading conservative economic thinkers of our time. He'll also be joining us on a very busy day uh, on the Michael Medved show. Uh, first of all, there was this morning a, a press conference by Alejandro Mayorkas, the Secretary of the uh, Department of Homeland Security. And uh, one of the things that he has insisted upon is that when Republicans talk about an open border, and worry about it, and they look at the, the thousands who are preparing to crash that open border. Uh, the Secretary of uh, the Department of Housing, uh, of, of uh, the Homeland Security, uh, Secretary Mayorkas, always says, no, no, we don't have an open border. And he was asked about that very directly by a reporter, not from Fox, but from Real Clear Politics, Phil Wegman, who asked him uh, this. This is clip 26. Going back to October of last year, there were more than a million apprehensions, but then there were also more than 530,000 gotaways. That's roughly the, the size of the population of the city of Baltimore. How can you say that the border is not open? So um, uh, we removed, returned, and expelled 1.4 million people last year. Ask those. 1.4 million people if, if they think uh, the border is open. Our apprehension rate uh, at the border is consistent with the apprehension rate in prior years. Uh, and uh, again, the idea that uh, the border was not, uh, quote, secure uh, during the Trump administration or the Obama administration, that's also true. And no, there was not a border wall that was built. This was one of the uh, fact-checking points that was made about President Trump's statements last night. But uh, his um, the Mayorkas uh, press conference today, he got uh, further demands asking him about what American taxpayers are paying for the 4 million people who have entered this country illegally since January of 2021 when Biden became president. Uh, clip 25. You talked about cost. Uh, what, what's the rough cost to American taxpayers since the roughly 4 million people have come into this country illegally uh, since January of 2021 as those people show up at community hospitals as they uh, enter the school system, as they get other government help? Do you have a taxpayer cost? Let me turn that question uh, around a little bit because um, I'm going to turn it around to match the question that an international partner asked of me. 
And the question that the international partner asked of me is, what is the economic cost of your broken immigration system? Since there are uh, businesses around this country that are desperate for workers, there are desperate workers looking for jobs, it, desperate workers in foreign countries that are looking for jobs in the United States where they can earn money lawfully and send much needed remittances back home. What is the cost of a broken immigration system? That is the question that I am asked, and that is the question that I pose to Congress, because it is extraordinary. Okay, it, of course he's correct on that. It is not one simple thing. The immigration system is a total mess. But the idea is that the, the Biden administration, after two and a half years in office, has no responsibility for what is going on. It, uh, it is an appalling notion, and it makes no sense. Coming up, we'll be speaking with Daniel Henninger of the Wall Street Journal, who, uh, who writes that uh, the progressive way of governance is that no failed policy can change, ever. And that uh, applies particularly to the resistance on change, which has been profound by the Democrats when it comes to the issue of immigration and trying to get control, or at least more control, not utter control. No one will have it perfect, but to get an improvement in the situation in security on the southern border. We'll be speaking to Daniel Henninger of the Wall Street Journal, coming right up on The Medved Show. Michael Medved show there are several columns that have appeared today from every point of the political perspective from the extreme left to the solid right uh, suggesting that hold on for a moment it may not be a given that Joe Biden is actually the Democratic nominee for re-election yes he's announced his candidacy but uh, given the scope of the problems that he faces now on the border concerning a potential default and an economic crisis, uh, anything could happen. To help us sort out what that anything might be, nobody better than Daniel Henninger, one of the most influential and insightful columnists in the country. His Wonderland column appears every Thursday in the Wall Street Journal Journal. And, uh, Daniel, you, you have uh, the title today, Is Biden Abandons Big Problems. Uh, do you really believe there is a chance that the Democratic Party may abandon him as a candidate for re-election? Hi, Michael. Uh, yes, uh, I do think it's entirely possible. It has been... Uh fascinating to watch the uh, twists and turns of the Democratic Party in relationship to the prospect of the president running again. We do remember that last year there was uh, quite a bit of talk uh, about the possibility of uh, Biden either getting a primary challenge or perhaps resigning, uh, which would uh, not guarantee that Kamala Harris would get the nomination. There would almost certainly be a primary challenge to her and then suddenly 
it was really quite abrupt. The parties seemed to coalesce around the idea of a Biden candidacy, based basically on two related things. One was the results of the midterm elections, in which Democrats didn't do as poorly as had been expected. And second, the expectation that uh, the uh, Republican nominee probably was going to be Donald Trump. And uh, the Democrats assumed that independent voters would no more vote for Trump in 2024 than they would in uh, tw- in 2020. And so there they went with Biden. Uh, it's a real roll of the dice, Michael. Uh, I personally have my doubts that Joe Biden is going to, shall we say, make it to November of 2024. But now we have the reasons you just cited, the collapsing border, a possible significant economic downturn, maybe a recession, and the simple fact that Biden's approval rating keeps going south. And I said in my column, if it touches 30 or starts flirting with 30, I do think that you're going to begin to see people in the Democratic Party start talking about challenging in in, uh, the Democratic primaries. I I know that in conversation with some uh, uh, people on the Democratic side of things, uh, after President Trump's uh, uh, (laughs) performance last night, where one of the things he talked about was basically encouraging his fellow Republicans to uh, push us toward default, to actually have this economic crisis that would, at at the very least, uh, be a disaster for the stock market and for people's investments. The the idea being that uh, Biden would get blamed for it uh, and... Uh, the idea that Biden gets blamed for it and they have someone else running for president on the Democratic side, that would that necessarily help Republicans? Mm, I'm not so sure. Uh, and I think uh, you just put your finger on something. Uh, Biden and the Democrats uh, were on their back foot with the, the debt ceiling. Uh, Kevin McCarthy, the House Democrats, had passed this bill. Uh, they wanted to negotiate. I think the public was uh, upset both about the debt ceiling, $31.4 trillion, and concerned about uh, the level of federal spending. People focused on it during the pandemic. But then amidst that, uh, yes, Trump in that town hall essentially sent a message to uh, his Republican supporters in the House uh, not to um support a compromise, that indeed accept a default. That puts Kevin McCarthy in a very difficult position. Uh, It creates division inside the Republican Party where they had somehow managed to unite and gives Biden and the Democrats a talking point that uh, Donald Trump is himself uh, working to undermine the extension of the debt ceiling. Uh, Whatever you think of that, it just makes the Republicans' job in Congress much more difficult. Puts them in a tough political position. In terms of these two crises on the border and the debt ceiling, they're probably both events that that people can actually feel that they will experience in their own lives. Uh, How is it possible if you have two disasters of this scope, and, and both of them gigantic and to some extent unprecedented, certainly the default would be unprecedented, how does that happen under somebody's leadership and the president not get blamed? 
uh, I, I think it, it will be very difficult. That's, you know, got to be the reason Biden's approval just keeps sinking. He is the president, the so-called commander-in-chief. Uh, the federal government bears responsibility for immigration policy. People can see that there has been no policy for the past two years. People are pouring in through the border. Uh, and if uh, the economy does turn down, typically the president bears responsibility for that. But it puts us on a, an extremely hard-to-predict course, Michael. If the president's approval collapses uh, and primary challengers begin to emerge while uh, uh, Donald Trump uh, uh, leads uh, the Republicans, I don't know whether that will hold up. Uh, it does make those independent voters uh, and people in the center that I described earlier much more concerned about where the country's presidential election is going. And that does raise something that a lot of people are talking about, the possibility of uh, an independent candidacy, third party, perhaps candidacy in 2024, that could conceivably be the most successful in our history, which is to say a third party candidacy that actually wins electoral college votes. Uh, that's the kind of crisis we could be heading towards. Which is really incredible to think about. Uh, you, you don't believe that it, the Biden challenger uh, could be Robert Kennedy Jr.? Uh, it's amazing that Robert Kennedy Jr. has 20 percent, Michael. It suggests <laughs> yes, it how strong a real challenger could be in, uh, in uh, threatening Biden's incumbency. We are we are living in uncertain and exciting times. To understand them and what happens, uh, read the new column by Daniel Henninger. It's uh, headline: Biden abandons big problems. He certainly has some big problems with which to cope. Uh, we'll talk more about the situation on the border and how bad it could possibly get. Uh, that and uh, more, uh, plus uh, real perspective on this default threat uh, with Steve Forbes coming up on The Medved Show. The Michael Medved Show. And behind all of the crises and the countdown at the border, uh, there is uncertainty. Nobody has a clue. And what is just shocking right now is it appears to me that there is a tremendous leadership gap, not only from uh, Kamala Harris, especially from Kamala Harris, who's supposed to be in charge of fixing the border. Remember that? Uh, as a number of people have said, when President Biden appointed her to that responsibility, you knew that that was a sign he wasn't taking it seriously because she is not a serious leader. Uh, we have that. We have the other ticking clock. And it is. It's like a, it's like one of those movies where y you have to cut the cords or otherwise this bomb is going to go off. And you have to find the green cord and the blue cord and not cut the red cord because if you cut the red cord, it'll go off immediately. 
basically the idea of a default of the United States and a collapse of the stock market and the banking system and a recession that would be far more acute and and far more uh, immediately devastating than what we experienced even in 2008 this is this is extraordinarily serious stuff and it's why there's a piece in the hill today by uh, bernard goldberg and bernard goldberg you will remember is uh, an emmy and an uh, alfred i dupont columbia university award-winning journalist a television journalist who uh, has a column under the heading suddenly a biden trump rematch doesn't seem so inevitable and why not he talks about yogi berra quotes uh, the great yankees catcher who uh, once observed predictions are hard especially when they're about the future so let's just call this a hunch writes bernard goldberg no matter what biden says now about running for a second term in the coming months, he may drop out. The uh, Republicans want a candidate who believes Trump really won in 2020, but Democrats want a candidate who can beat Donald Trump. If Biden doesn't look like that guy, the people behind the curtain who have been calling the shots in the White House may convince him that it's time to go. I, th I think, frankly... Uh, it would be very difficult, given the fact that uh, Joe Biden, this was his third race for the presidency, the one he won in 2020, and that he'd basically been looking at this presidential goal since the 1970s. They began talking about him as a presidential possibility. I, I think it will be very difficult to persuade him to go. But that doesn't mean he couldn't have a serious primary challenge even in, yes, South Carolina, which he rescheduled to be the top of the primary schedule for the Democrats because he thought that safe state was safe, especially if he ends up running against one of the South Carolinians who could be either a running mate or a ticket holder. Uh, and I mean Nikki Haley, of course, and Tim Scott. Who knows what happens in South Carolina? And... Uh, Goldberg points out, and while Donald Trump is way out ahead of his rivals, according to the polls, both announced and those likely to get into the race, it's still early. If he loses more court battles, gets hit with a few more indictments, or a few more convictions and scandals emerge, anything is possible. And uh, that anything is possible means a, a truly contested nomination fight on uh, both sides, uh, meaning that instead of uh, Trump versus Biden, where the overwhelming majority of the American people on both sides say, no, please, other candidates, please. The American people usually, when they want something so clearly, they they get what they want. And and then you have the, the ongoing... Uh, reflection that even mainstream media which you think would normally support a democratic president and a democratic candidate really does seem to have turned on biden on his profound mishandling of this title 42 expiration 
And what's incredible about this is it didn't need to happen. And yes, the idea of Title 42 is it was put into place because of the COVID pandemic and it was meant to be a health measure to uh, limit the amount of uh, new immigrants who would flow across the border. It, it was not impossible for Biden to simply keep it in place, but he didn't do that. Uh, at the press conference today with uh, Secretary uh, Mayorkas, who, who will also, you talk about somebody who won't be there in uh, November of 2024, I don't think that Alejandro Mayorkas is going to survive this particular crisis. Uh, at his press conference, uh, Kayla Tausch uh, of uh, CNBC uh, asked him about the administration's position, which is increasingly difficult to defend. Uh, listen, clip 27. So uh, I just wanted to ask about messaging, because for years the administration has said that the border is closed and migrant crossings continue to notch records. And you've just said that your message to migrants who are traveling unlawfully is do not spend your life savings coming here only to be uh, apprehended if and when you arrive here. But I'm wondering what you think it will take for that message to land. Um, the question's a very important one because it speaks of two things. One is, of course, the efforts we make, uh, but the second is a phenomenon that we are confronting. And that is the smuggling organizations that spread um, disinformation uh, to uh, uh, vulnerable migrants. They um, uh, lie to migrants. And as a matter of fact, when I was in Panama um, uh, speaking to my counterpart, the foreign secretary in Panama and the secretary, the minister of security, they were speaking of the fact that smugglers in that region of the world before the migrants enter the Darien, an incredibly treacherous uh, terrain, they are deceived into thinking that they are going to be on a two-day tour. Okay, uh, this uh, blaming it on coyotes um, among people who are uh, human traffickers and human smugglers. Uh, yes, uh, uh, they are some of the worst people in the world and they need to be cracked down upon. And who is responsible for doing that? I believe it's you, sir. And uh, in, in terms of getting the message to land that, no, it will not be easy for people to come to the border, even when Title 42 expires at midnight tonight, uh, that message has to be communicated by the Biden administration and by Secretary Mayorkas. Uh, there is a uh, Democratic congressman who... Uh, uh, who also had this to say, uh, trying to associate the Republicans and uh, their desire to have a more secure border to to associate them somehow with slavery. Uh, we will get to that uh, because it's extraordinary. There's also a, a Republican candidate for president, uh, not announced, but a candidate for president nonetheless, who made the remarkable statement that I think is going to be very problematic for him, which is that nobody has a right to immigrate to this country. Uh, and uh, again, when you talk about the position that uh, 
Republicans have traditionally taken, which is pro-immigration, but pro-legal immigration. What you're opposed to is unauthorized entry. But when you say nobody has a right to immigrate, even people who play by the rules and send in the applications and get accepted, we'll get to that coming up on the Medved Show. 1-800-955-1776. The Michael Medved Show. outrageous what you are saying the michael medved show this is outrageous well what we're saying is uh, to take a look at the reality i think the estimate right now from most of the news bureaus that are reporting from the border is that there are at least 150,000 people who are waiting to make some kind of immediate entry into the united states looking for asylum, hoping for asylum. And one of the things that is fascinating is most of these people are not Mexican. It is only a tiny minority who are Mexican. Uh, most of them apparently come from a whole group of countries where the United States has uh, offered uh, entry into our country and the way that they're using the passage to entry is through Mexico, Venezuela. Uh, Nicaragua, Haiti, Ukraine. Uh, there are apparently 300,000 Ukrainian refugees who are waiting to, uh, to come into our country. And Hank Johnson, do you remember he, he gained a certain amount of fame because he thought if there was more population on the island of Guam, which is American territory, it, it would end up tilting and part of it would, and he said later he meant that as a joke. He didn't mean it as a joke. You can hear the the testimony. But now he is saying that the Republicans who tend uh, to be wary of immigration and want less immigration, not more, that Republicans are actually bringing back slavery in effect by uh, su supporting more border security. How does that work? Uh, well, it it works like this, according to Congressman Johnson of Georgia. Listen. Republicans like to see them lined up at the border because they know that that's a stream of uh, labor ready to be exploited with cheap, uh, if any, uh, uh, compensation. I mean, if you could get back to slavery, you would gladly do so, but if you could pay people a dollar an hour, uh, you you would settle for that. And that's that's the race to the bottom that we have with immigrants lined up at the border trying to get in and go to work. And my Republican friends talk about how they don't like that, how it's a crisis, but yet they savor it. Okay, how many Republicans actually savor the situation at the border right now. And if they do savor it, <laughs> they've been doing a pretty good job, it seems to me, Congressman Johnson, sir, of uh, uh, hiding their enthusiasm. And that's certainly true. One of the problems with Ron DeSantis is he hides his enthusiasm too well. And uh, 
there there's stories about how when he was participating in a debate when his first race for governor of uh, Florida in uh, 2018 was running against Andrew Gillum, uh, that they marked on his pad for notes for his televised debate, likable, likable, likable. Uh, is this a statement uh, about uh, uh, Americans and immigration and our country? Is this a, a likability plus statement? Uh, this is Governor DeSantis, clip 21. Legal immigration, nobody has a right to immigrate to this country, no foreigner. We determine as Americans what type of immigration system benefits our country. But when you're doing immigration, it's not for their benefit as foreigners, it's for your benefit as Americans. So if there's legal immigration that's harming Americans, we shouldn't do that either. For example, some of these H-1B visas, they would fire American tech workers and hire foreigners at lower wages. I don't agree with that. I think that's wrong. Uh, there's other things that are, that are value added. Uh, so you got to look at how that is. But once you determine, I think we should have more of a, of a point system like Canada or Australia. Uh, I don't think we should have chain migration, diversity lottery, any of that, which is a lot of our immigration here. Um, then, you, then you can do. But uh, you, you got a long way to go to be able uh, to get there. But it starts with uh, stopping the border influx. Uh, I do think that um, with a border that big, you need a physical wall. You can't just do it with personnel surveilling. There's too many gaps. So you do that wall, construct that wall, then that'll make it more easy for you to follow the pressure points and repel people from back there. Okay, uh, the the idea of uh, the wall as the ultimate solution. Uh, first of all, isn't uh, Governor DeSantis, by his comments, talking about we need some kind of a wall, isn't he disagreeing with what the president said last night on his town hall, President Trump, um, about the fact that he had built a wall and built a wall successfully. Now, of course, he got fact-checked on that because he, he really didn't. He There are very few aspects of the border, very few miles of it, almost 2,000-mile border, where uh, there was new wall being built. What there was was a lot of repairs to broken fences and a lot of fixes on that regard. But the truth of the matter is, it, it didn't solve it. The wall was supposed to be a permanent solution. What is necessary here is fixing the legal immigration system so that you can do exactly what uh, Governor DeSantis is talking about and Republicans have talked about for a long time, which is to have an immigration system that works out in behalf of the American economy where a situation is, that you have right now where you have literally millions of jobs, millions of jobs that are waiting for people to come and do them. That's one of the reasons you have all of these thousands, plus the fact that they have suffering at home. Now, just like uh, the idea that no one has a right to immigrate to America may sound appealing to people, on the other side of the political spectrum, one of my least favorite members of Congress, the Representative Rashida Tlaib of uh, Michigan, uh, she spoke out in opposition to the Republican uh, Border Security Act, the uh, HR2, which is the Secure the Border Act. And uh, she 
said said something which when you first hear it it sounds okay that sounds good but then think about it and think of what it means uh this is rashida Tlaib, clip 22. no human being is illegal i believe that in my heart i will continue to fight to make sure that we pass some sort of form of comprehensive immigration reform that gives our immigrant neighbors the dignified pathway legal pathway to citizenship they deserve. I look forward to voting against this horrible racist bill and again urge my colleagues to vote now. Mm-hmm. Okay, what what is outrageous here is that uh, when you think about it, no human being is illegal. And all I could think of was the killer, the stone cold killer in Texas who was out firing his guns in the middle of the night and uh, then uh, his neighbor asked him to keep it quiet so a baby could sleep. And the stone-cold killer uh, took his guns, went next door, and uh, murdered five people. Just murdered them and shot them execution-style, including children. And by the way, he had been apprehended uh, and deported four times. Okay, no human being is illegal. That guy's illegal. And one of the things about uh, Republican efforts at immigration reform, and it's something that every reasonable person really needs to expect, is that for people who are deported, and usually for good reason, sometimes you can be deported for a, a, a DUI. You can be Uh, deported simply for falling between the cracks and doing nothing to try to regularize or legalize your status. And yes, we should make it easier and more comprehensible and all of that. But the idea that uh, you're going to go to this basic idea that no human being is illegal, that means everyone is welcome under all circumstances, or we make some kind of a standard. And, and by the way, one of the things that the Biden administration should emphasize more is sponsorship, right? Which is uh, partially what's happening with the immigrants from uh, Ukraine and from Venezuela who are part of this sweeping tidal wave of humanity. So what is it really like down at the border? Linda Chavez, who uh, was almost a U.S. senator and uh, was a Reagan administration official, has been a leading Latina Republican for many, many years. Linda Chavez was just down uh, at the border, and she writes about what she saw, which is completely different from what people expect. Uh, We will be speaking with Linda Chavez about this crisis and more coming up, speaking to Steve Forbes. 